0: Good morning, Crypto.
1: The Federal Reserve is neither federal, right? It's not federal. It's not owned by the government. It's not a government agency. It has no full faith in credit. Why would a system where over a 30-year period, half of your purchasing power disappears, why would that be good? Since 1913, the Fed was created to create inflation. CPI is kind of a silly number. It's massively lagging. It really doesn't have anything to do with reality. From 1776 to 1913, a dollar was worth a dollar, right? Why is it called a dollar? We stole it from the Rothschilds in Holland. Housing prices over the last year went up 40%, four zero in one year. Did my house get bigger? Did it grow? Did it get more efficient? Did it somehow get better? No, it actually- I paid $4.99 for a gallon the other day versus 33 when I got my license. It's the same gallon of gas. <laughs> well, it's not that the gas is better; it's that the dollar got worse. Here's the, the-, the whole economy's collapse if you try to take that funny money because it really is funny money. I mean, it's money created out of thin air. This front, three and a half trillion dollars with a T, trillion, three and a half trillion of wealth went from the average person to the elite class.
0: I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto is joining us. Gonzo, the crypto goliath, also known as Super G. And today is a very special day as we have a renowned hedge fund manager and honorary member of our Good Morning Crypto family. Mark Yusko is in the building to bring us all the latest insight on the crypto market. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Jack Dorsey is launching a decentralized social media platform. In response to Twitter, allowing data to be owned by the users, we break down how this is only beginning of this Web3 revolution. JP Morgan has hired a former Celsius employee as head of crypto regulatory policy, as Bank of America shows young investors are moving away from traditional assets. As a recent poll states, it's no longer possible to receive above average returns. XDC has been added to Uphold as Quant Network is featured in Forbes magazine, outlining how the future of banking relies on interoperability. New Bank is leveraging Polygon for its loyalty program, and as institutions are circling this market, we ask our special guest, Mark Yusko, about his insight into how to navigate the crypto space. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Johnny Crypto, we typically go to you, but we got a good friend and a very, very insightful man this morning. Mark Yusko was in the building. It's so very excited for this episode, and we're going to touch on everything Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polygon, institutions, and, of course, a little bit of XRP as well. But, Mark, before we get into that, how are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here.
1: Well, no, it's great to great to be with you all. You know, I, I'm always intimidated, you know, you know, coming on with abs. Um and I, I'm, I'm actually a little under the weather today. I got a little of the uh, daycare crud from the grandkids, but uh, I will soldier through. And I, I was noticing that in the video, which, Johnny, I appreciate you putting that together. Um, you know, I had on my Wear Pink Wednesdays uh, shirt, and it's so damn cold in Chapel Hill today that the pink I have on is is down at the socks. So uh, no pink on top, but uh, I am wearing pink for brain cancer awareness. Um, do that every Wednesday. So That's awesome. um Great to be here. great to to catch up with y'all and and I I, I do appreciate the the buildup in in the uh, and uh, you know, y- you make me a little nervous setting the bar really high. You guys are the opposite of the equity world, right? The equity world like Netflix, right? you you take the bar off the rack, you put the bar on the ground, you jump over it and you claim you're the world high jump champion. I mean, Netflix, they they, Have less earnings than a year ago. They had their slowest growth rate in history. And yet they claim they beat earnings. Like, no, you you just you lowered your expectations so much in the last six months that you beat the lowered expectations. And everybody's like, oh yay. Like, dumb, dumb. But you guys set the bar really high. So anytime, you know the the the, the
0: Gretzky label is used i i'm not worthy so thank you for <laughs> you're the best mark and it's really exciting and anybody who's looking for some insight onto what this episode's going to be about check it mark's background buy bitcoin my friends and that's of course a joke but johnny crypto we're coming to you this morning very interested to see the, some of the news that we got planned for our listeners whether we're talking about new bank leveraging polygon for its loyalty program or the fact that XRP has now become Ethereum-compatible for smart contracts. We've got a bunch of great stuff lined up. How are you feeling this morning, Johnny?
2: Well, first of all, let me start this like I always do. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there today. Thank you for showing up. You guys are true warriors coming and learning about crypto every single day. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Great to see you, Abs and Gonzo, my brothers. And I am super excited today, Mark. I love. it's, It's been too long since the last time we had you on. I specifically call you the great one all the time because it's so refreshing to see somebody, you know, as I've been watching you over the years that comes out and just says it like it is, calls everybody out. Doesn't matter who it is. To me, that's what makes you great. So don't feel the pressure of having to, you're just naturally great because you're not afraid to speak right here from the heart. That's what we do here on the Good Morning Crypto Show. That's why we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for being here. And I can't wait to hop into some good stuff today. So uh, I hope you're feeling well. Wish you better. And oh boy, it's going to be a fun one today. And I hope our listeners got
0: their notebooks ready, Gonzo. But before we get into our content for today, I'm interested to see how you're hearing. And why don't you show our listeners the Bull Run shirt you got on? I love that sweatshirt. Yeah, you know, it's either this one or the diamond hand shirt. So, uh, you know, always got to be comfortable. It's funny. I'm in California. So like, (sighs) it's like a microwave. Like it's it's (laughs) like when Mark (laughs) described spring in the morning, it's really cold. And then it hits 12. And then by two o'clock, I'm like sweating because it's super hot. And I've got like warm clothes on. You got to peel it off. So in California, we got to wear layers, right? But yeah, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Super excited. Uh, thanks for coming back, Mark. Uh, I love hearing you talk uh, just because I'm a big history buff. And I just love how you talk about history because yep. it puts things in perspective. Because like as they always say, um, sometimes you know history doesn't always exactly match, but it usually rhymes. So I love mm-hmm. that. But yeah, it's going to be a great show. Awesome, guys. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We had a goal of beating 2,000 followers by the end of the year. Well, we're only six followers array right now. So please go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is still an extreme fear. Johnny Crypto, check this out. Hasn't moved in a month but we got something cool for our listeners out there as we found a new way to show you about the market. Check out this Crypto Bubbles platform here. Shows you the daily gains and losers by market cap, and it's pretty exciting. So we're going to incorporate into that show going forward. Our total coin market cap this morning is sitting at $923 billion. Bitcoin is at 40% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 19,100. Ethereum, 1,300. XRP is 45 cents. Chainlink is just below $7. Quant. It's dropping this morning, but still up 18% on the seven day at $183. And Algorand is important to mention because they are sponsoring the FIFA World Cup. But Mark, I'd love to go back to you. We Last time we had you on the show, we brought up the fact that Bitcoin appeared to be creating a market bottom during the summer. I believe it was yep. June when we had you on. I'd yep. love to, for you to readdress that here. We've held that 17.5 support. What are you watching over these next few months? And Are we in this accumulation zone or are you anticipating another leg down? So it is
1: the question, Abs. And you know, when we were together last, we talked about. Uh, I had tweeted out right before the Father's Day weekend, where we had the little uh, collapse. That you know, we are in this this descending triangle pattern. You showed a couple of those a minute ago, and and those are really ugly patterns from uh, a risk perspective. Because what happens is, you know, you're you're falling down to that that support level theoretically. Mm. But then you bounce lower and lower. So there's just not as much demand. And so I I tweeted, you know, right before the Father's Day weekend, I said, look, no one wants to hear this, but the longer we stay at 30,000, the higher the risk Mm. that we break through. And just like in 2018, where we went from six to 3,200 almost overnight in that first week of November, uh, we could have that type of drop down to as much as uh, down to as low as 15,000. You know, four days later, we did wick down on June thirteenth, two seventeen to five seventeen eight, whatever whatever exchange you look at, and and I was pretty comfortable saying that was the cathartic bottom. It, it didn't hit the fifteen. Well, why fifteen? Look, just because it went from you know six to thirty two hundred doesn't mean it had to go down exactly the same amount. You mm. like say Gonzo history rhymes; it doesn't exactly look the same, and so I have been very comfortable proclaiming, I guess, that crypto spring was here, but spring is not summer,
2: right? Mm-hmm. There are
1: four seasons in the crypto cycle, uh, spring, summer, winter, and fall. And crypto winter is the ugly one. We don't like that one very much, right? That's where you you drop a lot mm-hmm. on average, you know, 60, 70, 80%. And that's where the speculative excess gets unwound. Mm-hmm. And And the unfortunate part of this ecosystem for me is you know, we talked about this last time that, you know, the four types of market participants, right? There are investors, investors oh. buy things when they believe they are selling below fair value. That's a good idea. That seems like a good plan. Then there are traders that don't really care about oh. fair value. They don't really care about up and down. They just want to scalp pieces really hard to do. Some people are good at it. I am not. Mm. Uh, that's not my jam, but it, yeah, that's fine. And those, those traders are fine, right? They, they provide liquidity. They, they, they keep markets kind of rational. Speculators, you know, it's one of those words that's highly charged. They're good too, because all they are is the opposite side of hedgers,
2: hmm.
1: right? Let's say you're a Bitcoin miner and you need to pay for your electricity. So you mine some Bitcoin and then you sell and you could sell it outright, or you could sell in the futures market now that we have futures. And this is the part that I don't love, right? We have these futures markets mm. that not only allow hedgers to sell, but they allow anyone to sell paper. In the old days, Johnny, if I had you a know, barrel of oil and I wanted to sell you a barrel of oil, mm. I had to physically That'd have be- title to that barrel and be able to deliver it to you. Right. Now I can just write you a contract. And as long as we settle up the contract before I have to deliver, I don't have to go find the oil right. to give to you. Right. And when you have big futures markets and you get lots of paper commodities relative to spot physical commodities, mm. you can get manipulation. So you look at the gold markets for the last 10 years, they've been spoofed by the yep. big banks who are constantly doing this, this selling of of gold futures against the actual gold production. So that's a long-winded way of saying speculators are not evil, mm-hmm. but they
0: they can be um, they can be manipulators of of markets. Mark, um, if I can make a quick point. Our first video we ever did was actually, I believe it was last March and we talked about how in the banking system, for every physical piece of gold in the banking system, there is a hundred paper slips that are derivatives of that piece of gold. And that's exactly what you're speaking about. So I just wanted to put that in No
1: there. and and abs- it is it's, it's mind numbing. When you think about that, and then you think about last year, there's a settlement with the SEC. JP Morgan paid a record $962 million fine. Just yeah, let the number sink in. How much
2: me. did they make, Mark? Tell us.
1: But they made 20 bill. Exactly. And they're like, it's just a cost of doing business. Exactly. I would do that every day, all day. Exactly. And so- yeah, they, they get slapped on the wrist, but no one tells them to stop. Right. So I can make 19 billion free. And then, you know, Bank of America announced the other day, right? They had zero trading day losses in the last 365 days. Wow. I, I don't, don't know anyone. Literally, I don't know anyone who can trade positively every day unless you're doing something that is rigged, right? right. And that's the banks are playing a, a different game. So, but the last type of, of market participants, and this is this is the problem, are the gamblers. Yes. And and that's actually like a fifth one that I'll talk about in a second. But the, the, the gamblers, they're the ones that buy things because they're moving, right? And it's <laughs> I hate to say this, right? Not politically correct, but it's mostly guys because we hunter-gatherer, we see movement, right? My wife says, Go get the ketchup. I open the fridge. Honey, there's no ketchup. She walks <laughs> up, grabs the bottle. I can't see it because it ain't moving. <laughs> and so if the price is moving. The guys are going to come going to come trade it. But then we did stupid stuff. Like we sent people free money and we gave them margin accounts and mm. we let them go to places like Bitfinex and get a hundred times leverage. Why would you take an 80 vol asset, eight zero, 80 vol asset and put leverage on it? Any leverage, let alone 50 times or hundred times. And those gamblers push prices way above their fair value, whether it's Shopify, right? Shopify got to mind blowing levels and then went down 95% or zoom or, or beyond meat. Right. Oh. And, and look, I, I shouldn't make fun of beyond meat. Cause you know, we invested in the venture capital, put in 3 million bucks. We took out 150. So awesome. Nice. Awesome. I wouldn't put the stuff in my mouth. Nice. I mean, it's bad for you. Neither but, would I, <laughs> but it's crazy. Um, so, the gamblers pushed the price in November of last year to 67.5 Bitcoin price and all the other crypto followed it. And there was all this leverage. And so in the last six months to June 13th, you had a seven or seven month period, seven month period where we were unwinding leverage. The difference this time was that fifth category, the degenerate gamblers. Hmm. And you know, I was, I was, I was at, you, know, we, we, you showed a picture earlier in, in pre-show, uh, Mr. Wonderful. So last week I was in Vegas at the Web3 Expo and I interviewed Mr. Wonderful. Yep. And he was a good sport. He was a good sport because four years ago, four years ago, next week, we were on CNBC together and he basically called he me an idiot, said, You know, this is a Ponzi. It's we going to zero. It. You're an idiot. It's dead money. And I actually said, Which is kind of funny. I said, Kevin, I'll bet you that Amazon is actually dead money for the next. 10 years. He's like, oh, that's impossible. Well, here's the interesting thing. He was a good sport. He, he let me call the title of our session, um, From You're Dead to Me, right? His famous line from Shark Tank, <laughs> To Wear an Orange Shoes, Mr. <clears throat> Marvel's Crypto Journey. And I went up and I, and I said, here we are. Here's a picture of us on CNBC. And since that point, four years, okay? Amazon's up 12%, basically dead. Stocks are up 20%, basically dead, and Bitcoin's up 200%, 3x. He's like, you know, that's fair. That, that's fair. That, that is true. That, that is fair. And so, I, and so I said, so now you just raised a $250 million fund from the Middle East to invest in crypto, in Web3. Why? How? Well, he said three things happened. He said, one, when the Canadians, he's Canadian, when the Canadians approved a Bitcoin ETF, like, huh,
2: hmm.
1: there's some there, there.
2: Checkbox okay. number one.
1: That, 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 and, and so he created WonderFi and said, okay, we're going to go do some stuff <laughs> in Canada and help people get exposure to crypto. And, and again, smart people, right? Great investors change their mind. Yeah. And I, I, I tell the story, it's, it's true. So, you know, the last time I was in Vegas, which was five years ago, my wife came with me and she's only seen me speak once. And I may have told you this story already, but at the end of my talk, she said, Mark, you, you can't say things like that. I'm like, 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 what? What did I say? She's no, 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 it's not what you said, but you say things so forcefully. I go, like, well, What's wrong with that? She says, Well, people will believe you. I'm like, That's the whole idea. She's, well, What if you're wrong? I'm like, I'm wrong all the time. I just changed my mind. And so, if you can't change your mind, if you have to be right, you're dead in this business. Absolutely dead. You have to be able to change your mind. So, Kevin changed his mind. So, one was the, the regulators in Canada said, Yes, we'll do a Bitcoin ETF. He said, The second, was just the number of deals that I was seeing in my family office, not not on Shark Tank, but in my family office, just went ballistic mm-hmm. in, in crypto. But he said the third thing that was really the, the big one, he said he and his group, which is genius, they sponsor uh, engineering programs at, at the best engineering schools, MIT, Caltech, Georgia Tech. Of course. And he says, well, I want to see the most talented people and see what they're doing. And so I want to, you know, potentially back them. Genius. And he said 30% of this year's graduating class at MIT. And remember, these are guys and gals who could go anywhere they want, do anything in the world. They're the smartest people on the planet. Okay, that's not fair. There are other smart people that do other disciplines. But as engineering goes, pretty much as smart as it gets, 30% are going into crypto. Yep. Ingo. And this is why I'm here. This is why I'm hanging out with you. And yes. it's why I'm, I'm in this business. <clears throat> one, I'm having more fun than I've had yes. my whole career. And that doesn't mean I didn't love my career. I loved every second of my career. I love working for not-for-profits. I loved working in the traditional world. But the people in this space are so extraordinary. So I, the, 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 the long, that's a really long lead into what I said. So I said, the one thing you, you've done, and I'm saying this to this group of people in Vegas, that you messed up on, self-labeling yourself degens, yeah. which stands for degenerate. Yeah, who who thought that was a good idea? I have no idea. You have <laughs> <that. this> enemy. <laughs> you have the enemy of us old people. We're like degenerates. We don't want to. We don't want to hang out with degenerates, right? And there is one one <clears throat> protocol, uh, DGEN, that's tried to change it from the to the decentralized generation. Yeah, like okay, okay, that works for me. I'm okay with that. So let's do that. Let's not talk about being degenerates and being the anarchists. And yeah, I talk about Tim Tim May, right? Who wrote the Crypto Anarchist Manifesto, which is basically everything that we're all doing now is all because this guy wrote this thing in 1988. You know, God rest his soul, he passed away last year. Mm. Uh, maybe it was two years ago, time flies. Um, but Tim, right, for 20 years, from 1988 to 2009, I'm sorry, for, for 30 years, um, nothing happened. Well, why? Well, because he was an anarchist. He didn't have any friends. He lived up in the woods. Right. And so that, that's not really that helpful. And so what we need is people to embrace these change agents. And, and I've said it for years that two things that, that really matter in tech. So one, all tech starts at the fringe, yep. which makes people uncomfortable right? First mobile phones, drug dealers. First internet, porn, right? First crypto, drugs again. Why? Well, because those people are marginalized. They're shut out of the traditional financial system. So they have to find a way and they come up with better technology uses. And then that technology finds its way into, you know, we're using it today, right? Without the internet, where would we be? So the second thing is, so the fringe is uncomfortable, uncomfortable for people. But the second thing is, young people start everything. Everything good comes yep. from a young person because they don't know what they don't know, mm. and they're not afraid to make mistakes. And they're not entrenched, and, and their livelihood doesn't depend on them being right. Right? They can be wrong, and as you know, uh, Thomas Edison said, "I've never been wrong. I just found ten thousand ways not to make a light bulb." <laughs> yeah, right. Failed, um, but that resilience to constantly be going. And you know, you think about. Whether it was the internet with Mark Andreessen, or whether it was the uh, the browser with Mark Andreessen or whether it was search with Larry and Sergey. I mean, these were teenagers, 19, 20 years old. And that matters because those people, you know, the the people who are established, the people at the tippy top of the pyramid, you know, the all-seeing eye, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, leave us alone. We like our cabal. We we mm-hmm. like, you know, skimming off profits for ourselves. We don't want new technology to just to, right. to the banking system. And here's the thing, and this is a long, long thing I know, but if you think about the previous two evolutions of technology,
2: I mean, they're big,
1: right? I mean, the internet busted the monopoly of media, right? Which had busted the monopoly- of the church, you know, yep. thousands, a couple thousand years ago, when the printing press was was created, yep. and you know, you go to church, and the church would give Mark, you. I,
0: it also busted the monopoly on education. Anybody who wants to educate themselves can do it totally free. Now, are you going to have the validation of a of a um, a graduate degree from Harvard or MIT? Amen. No, but you can receive all the exact same information literally for free on the internet, and that's totally changed the game.
1: Abs, that is such an important point, and and one where you know we live in a world you know, where we wear our polo shirts and, you know, we, we wear our labels and, and you know, and, and and we want that that affirmation that we're part of a club, right? We're part of the Harvard mafia, the Yale mafia. And yeah, they do a really good job selecting, right? They take the, the you know, the masses and they narrow it down and they, they, they find some smart people. They also find some privileged people and people who paid and all this stuff. But the bottom line is it's not a bad system. And there's some pretty good professors. and like, But to your point, now I don't have to travel to actually listen to the best professor in the world on chemistry. I don't have to yep. take a class for thousands of dollars from a TA. Right. I can actually watch the best chemistry professor who actually may be even more up to date because they're not entrenched in teaching from a textbook that's 10 years old and out of date before it finally goes to print. So to that point, it's, it's so important that we can educate ourselves and we can learn. And so those monopolies, as they, as they go away, it creates opportunity for us to, to build new systems. But importantly, they were relatively small and the incumbents were not really, I mean, they were powerful, you know, like the, the phone companies tried really hard to not let us do what we're doing now, right? We are using voice over internet protocol right now. We're, we're using it and we're talking for free. Yeah, right. We're talking for free. Yep. Instead of the old days where I would talk to my girlfriend and say, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. Two hours later, $125 phone bill. My mom would freak out. <laughs> what are you doing? We're talking. She said, you didn't say anything for two hours. Don't do that. Hmm. And so now we can do that for free and free is better. But the phone companies didn't like it. So they tried to pass a law. Right? tried to lobby congress to get a law passed that would make it illegal. And thankfully, you know, Al Gore said no, that's a dumb idea. We want mm. this to happen. So he didn't invent the internet, but he actually did help. So he's not as, you know, uh, not as he does have some role, but all all I'm saying is this one's a little different. Financial services are bigger, they're meaner, mm. and they're more powerful. They do not like us oh. collectively. They don't. And and I get it, right? I mean, they have a seven trillion dollar a year annuity with a T, guys. With a T. 7 trillion. And the T word, right? We all just, oh, whatever, it's a big number. No, no, it's a fucking big number. Monster. We would sit here together for 31,710 years. <laughs> it should be. It may be pleasant because we're fun, you guys are fun guys, but come on, that'd be that'd be unpleasant. 31,710 years, one dollar every second. That's one trillion. That's one. So seven trillion dollars get skimmed from us as the middle people in the financial services system globally.
0: Mark, if I can make a quick point, I think that's exactly why JP Morgan's been so critical of (laughs) cross-border payments. It's it's because JP Morgan makes, I don't know what the actual number is, but definitely billions upon billions billions of dollars from cross-border payments. Their settlement system takes seven days, and they charge up to 17% on transactions. It's unbelievable. That is is it, right? That
1: is the reason. It's it's like, why did BlockFi get smashed by the SEC? Pretty simple. When a billion dollars left banks and went to BlockFi, eh, whatever. Billion dollars, who cares? When seven billion or eight billion, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> What's going on here? why that uh, this is this is real? <clears throat> so we need to we need to investigate. You know, th- these are securities. Like, on what planet is a bank deposit a security? On no planet. So, and, and look, I get it. I mean, Gensler, he's a bankster. And and I probably shouldn't say that because I don't want him, you know, coming down yeah. at me, but but he's 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 a Goldman guy. And so his friends are all connected and they don't want this to happen. So I get it. But for me, they'd be smarter if they just integrated the tech and made our lives better yeah. and gave us more of that you know, gave us a share of that pie. And hey, so and that's what fun. Web3 is all about, right? It's, it's going from the rental economy to the ownership economy. And I was talking with a guy yesterday and it's funny, he came up with this idea that, that I've been talking about actually for years. And he actually can do it now. But I've been saying for years that when I drive by a Best Buy store, My phone should light up. Mr. Yusko, we love you. You're our favorite customer. Here's all the stuff you've been looking at this week. It's all ready for you to go. Come in 20% off today just for you, special deal. And he says, yeah, I can do that now. (laughs) It's like, yes, that. And because they don't ever have to advertise to me. Right? It's it's like Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola doesn't have to advertise to me. That's what I'm gonna drink. Pepsi should never advertise to me because I'm not gonna drink it. Nothing. Right. Pepsi, it's just I don't like the taste of it. So those things are known, and the ability to utilize the technology to route the, the wealth or the wealth creation, route the wealth creation is, is what these systems are all about. And, and that's why, you know, people pick on XRP and and, and I'm still not there, like I'm still not a member of the army, but I respect the idea of what they want to do with that protocol to improve this 70-year-old technology that the banks use, SWIFT and ACH and, and uh, Fedwire. Now, there are other protocols that are competing to do that, but, but there's nothing wrong with that process. So it's not surprising, actually, that the SEC would sue them, um, right? Because you're I taking really, away
2: from you're sorry. taking away from the pie, right? You've got when you've got guys at the top, it's it's just a, it's it goes back to the old kind of caveman mentality where it's just you're protecting what you own, right? Yeah. And so what I wonder, Mark, is this: we know that there is a useful technology here in cryptocurrencies, and the question is. If you threaten the the gorilla, he's going to attack you back. But Correct. if you welcome him in, maybe then yeah, and we look at the adoption curves here. Maybe then they'll take. And I wonder now if cryptocurrencies and blockchains have moved so far to the point where the elites are saying and the smart money saying, you know what? This isn't something we can avoid anymore. Now we have to welcome it in. Do you think that's what's going to happen through regulation? Do you think they're going to regulate I think they're going to regulate the shit out of it, but then make it so they have control of it and keep that they're money. Definitely,
1: they're definitely going to regulate a lot. And and again, we, we probably talked about this last time that um, there's the famous quote that I guess Gandhi didn't say, but gets attributed to Gandhi all the time. You know, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Yeah. And it applies to crypto, right? Yeah. So from 2009 to 2015, first they ignore you. A yeah, bunch of nerds and geeks with your magic internet money. Whatever. Go go away. Not even interesting. Um, then they laugh at you. So 2016 to 21, ah, bunch of nerds and geeks and you know, just idiots. Okay. Then they fight you. And that's where we are today. 2022 to 2027. We are in the then they fight you phase and it's going to be a bitch.
0: Mark, mm. and this is why I'm so excited about Ripple XRP. Now, obviously, I am a part of the army. I'm not going to convince you to be a part of the army. That's not what I do. But oh, the- You might. You might. You <laughs> never know. You never know. The reason I got so excited about this project was just the use case for cross-border payments and the fact that in 2018, they had over 380 central banks and large financial institutions signed up to use their on-demand liquidity network. And Now, we're still seeing developments today. And I wanted to show you this because two of our favorite currencies on here are Quant Network and Ripple. And the reason they're our favorites is specifically because of the utility that they provide to the crypto space. Now, when we talk about Quant in particular, one of the reasons we get so excited is the fact that their CEO, Gilbert Ferdinand has one of the best financial resumes in the industry. And we even went down and he worked with the Federal Reserve on creating secure payments for their task force from March 10, 2017 to July of 2018. And so when we talk about the real utility coming to Quant, I want to pull up this picture here. We're talking about an <clears throat> overledger system that has the potential to not only connect financial institutions but connect nations, and that's where I think the real potential is. All the money that is in, is existing in our economy today, it's actually being transferred between financial institutions. It's not in the hands of the citizens, and that's the market that Quant's attacking. So I wanted to bring it to your attention.
1: No, Abs. Again, I I, I love the the analysis and 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 how you take it from from. Look, there's the base layer of. We believe in in this technology or this protocol and, and what it's trying to do. Then there's these these iterations mm-hmm. and I'll call quantum iteration of of something else that are really to your point attacking and attacking is you know it's fraught with peril because when you attack something they're going to fight back, yep. but but it needs to be attacked. And and I, I have this clip that that I would say it got, went viral, but it's on on the internet a lot where I talk about you know, so people had their money in the bank. Well, except that's the problem. It's no longer your money. When you put put your money in a bank, it's now the bank's money. People are like, no, that's not true. Like, no, it it is. It is absolutely the bank's money. Look at the balance sheet. It's on their balance sheet. It's no longer, you have an IOU, right? You have an IOU. And that IOU, 99% of the time is money good, perfectly fine. But in that 1%, Like you woke up in Cyprus in 2012 and suddenly a 25 cents on the dollar and nothing you could do about it, Mm. you know, or you were at La Jolla savings and loan and they went bust and your money disappeared. Oh, you got bailed out by the FDIC. Yes. That time you did because it was less than the 3%. So here's the thing, as long as 3% of the banks or less go bust, FDIC works great. But if 4% went bust, you're getting 75 cents on the dollar. If, Six percent go bust. You're getting fifty cents on the dollar, so because they only have three percent of of the assets in in uh, the the kitty. So I I think what's interesting about Quant is when you we think about that attack surface, right? Which is to your point, financial institutions move the money, and and the one thing I'll I'll, I'll say is they move the currency. And this is, this is my personal pet peeve, right? Money is different than currency. Money is gold, right? It's oh. been money for 5,000 years. It's the only asset that exists in the absence of liability. All this other stuff is credit. It's, it's debt, right? It's backed by debt. It, it, is, it is liabilities of these, these institutions. So they're moving the debt around on their balance sheets. and And again, and frictionally, you know, taking their share and, and, and to your point on, on that, that 18% number on on international uh, cross-border payments, it's it's insane, right? Why?
0: And you know why it's so insane, Mark, is because those people who are transferring money from America to the Philippines, for example, they're providing those that they're not transferring lots of money. They're transferring a hundred dollars and the government comes in and takes 20 bucks. It makes a serious difference.
1: Yeah. huge difference. I, I, I talk about it a time. If, if I had a mother-in-law in El Salvador, which I don't, she's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But if I had a mother-in-law in El Salvador and I wanted to send her a dollar, um, she would get 70 pesos. So it's even worse, 30%. Crazy. And, and like, well, why is that? Well, it's because Western Union takes 12% and then the local banks take a percentage. And then you got this Bank of International Settlements problem that- The Rothschilds, because the Rothschilds are in control of everything. And they have been, you know, since 1607, they have a treaty. This is amazing. It still blows my mind. There's a treaty. It's 400 years old, 400 years old. That says any money that moves cross-border to banks, of which they own parts of both, have to get paid. Yep. Wow. How can that be? I didn't even know that. that I did not know that. Right? How can that still exist? Because... If I used Strike, right, which we're investors in, if I used the Strike app and I sent my mother-in-law in El Salvador, again, myth, mythical mother-in-law, and I sent her a dollar, she would get 100 pesos. Now, 100 the wrong number too, right? Jack's got to figure out a way to get paid. So, not charge 2 or 3%. But that's way better. 97 yeah. is better than 80 or 70. Correct. And that's common, but it's going to be fought yep. by the incumbents and correct, you know, but if the incumbents were to integrate that technology and exactly. make it better in some ways they could say, well, yeah, our revenues would go down, but our expenses would go down more. So our profitability exactly. would go up, but so many of them worry about their revenues and their revenue multiple because we live in this crazy world where people put these crazy multiples on, on uh, equities. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's inevitable. It is inevitable that all of these technologies will win. So that's the last part of the quote, right? It's you know, then they fight you, then you win. But my 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 one lesson is: look, if you're in the crypto space, you already won. We've we've already won. Yes. Yeah, it may take us a while to your early adopters recognize that we've won, but we've already won
2: because yes.
1: this is inevitable. This is going to happen. Can't stop every it. stock, every bond, every currency, every commodity, every everything will be tokenized. Every value, every unit of value in the world will transfer on blockchains. It's not maybe that's going to happen. It's not, yeah, it might happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. And that's what's really cool.
2: Yeah, at the end of the day, when you know, I know I work for a large Fortune 100 company, and we're always trying at the end of the day to find cheaper, better solutions, lower costs, improve the bottom line. And we know that blockchain technology provides the efficiency and the lower cost. It's coming. You can't stop it. Capital always wants to find a way to increase the bottom line, right, Mark? And I would imagine that. Well, it wants to reduce friction, Johnny.
1: And, yeah. and that's that's what this is, right? We live in a friction economy. Yes. Right? And middle people, they, they exist on friction. And what we're trying to do is eliminate that friction. And you, know, you think about it. If you could create a coating that you put inside oil pipelines that made the oil flow mm-hmm. faster, Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a good thing?
2: Oh of course. Of course, right
1: <clears throat> If you could you know find a way, like this is one of my personal things, like how do we live in a country where we spend 20 billion dollars a year on weight loss <laughs> and we have kids go to bed hungry every night? Oh,
0: yeah. Mark, you know what's an interesting stat I read the other day? It's that America's economy actually needs obese consumers because if let's say for example because 30% of Americans are considered obese, if 30% of Americans lost up to 50% of their weight, the amount that that would affect our economy, we can't sustain that. So it's an interesting That's problem. an that amazing created. stat, Abs. I mean and, and and look, it's not it's not a to me it's not a question
1: about weight. If someone wants to to eat, I, I don't have any problem with that. But it's not about calories. We have enough calories in this country to feed Mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. We just don't have the pipes set up right Mm -hmm. to get it to the places that that need it. I mean, again, we have, I don't remember the number. It's like 44 million, 44 million people on Snap. Right? I mean, that's a crazy number. I mean, it's a crazy number. And so, but it's about friction. And the food companies... Like being in control of the friction, and they like to your point, Abs. They like taking a big profit share from snack wells, right? When they convinced us that fat was evil and 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 uh, you know you needed you know low fat. It's like my favorite, one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes where they're eating low fat yogurt and they're all gaining weight. And they're like, <laughs> There's no fat. I mean, yeah, it's pure sugar. And sure. <laughs> I love frozen yogurt. Don't get me wrong. But but yeah, if you eat it every day, guess what? Bad things happen.
0: And I think America's, even even our food industry as a whole, and Johnny, I know we have an exit strategy that we're going to show our listeners, but I think the food industry as a whole has become so manufactured. If I want to get something organic and good, some homegrown small shop mom and pop shop food, I have to go out of my way to find those things. Whereas the second I leave my house, there's a Dunkin' Donuts, a Starbucks, a McDonald's, a Burger King. But well, we got 346 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. We have the renowned hedge fund investor, Mark Yusko in the building, and we're going to continue with our news. But before we do that, We've created an exit strategy and the smartest way to track your cryptocurrency. We're going to let that ad play. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, you're not alone. And it's probably because you don't have an exit plan. The good news is that it doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. It brings all your coins into one place from many exchanges and wallets. You can simply see all of your assets across one screen. Next, you can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin's smart algorithm lets you create an exit plan and send you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. So go to at GetMerlinCrypto on Twitter. That's at GetMerlinCrypto and sign up for our 30-day free trial to get whitelisted so you can receive an email when the product is launched This fall, don't wait and miss out on this new and innovative app. Sign up today and get on our Merlin whitelist. It is the smartest way to track your crypto. And, Mark, that is not a sponsor. We created that application, we're really proud of that. So, anybody who thinks that could be a helpful product, go sign up down below because if you're navigating in the market and you're navigating this space, when these projects move, they move quickly. And the best way to get out is by following a disciplined exit strategy. That's why we created that product. But I'd love to get back into the news because Mark, we've got some news out of China as the Bank of China is talking about how CBDCs are the future of programmable money. I'd like to play just about 20 seconds of this clip and then we'll get some comments from you as well as the rest of the group. Here we go. The third way we
1: think CBDC can improve financial inclusion
2: is through what we call programmability. That is, CBDC can allow government agencies and private sector players to program,
1: to create smart contract, to allow targeted policy functions, for example, welfare payment, for example, consumption coupon, for example, food
0: stamp. Mark, I'd just love to give you the floor. There's so many directions we can take this, but where my brain goes is this is the beginning of the end for, in, for fiat currency. The future, I think not only are we gonna have universal basic income, I think we're all gonna have programmable money. They're gonna give you a central bank digital currency and say, you have to spend it not only by the end of the month, but in these certain locations for these certain goods and services. I'd love to hear your opinion on that.
1: Look, I, you know, I, I, I appreciate his attempt. I do. I appreciate his attempt to, to paint this in a positive light. Um, you know, and, and throwing words financial inclusion and, and 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 the like. But look, CBDCs, I believe, pure evil, mm. evil incarnate, uh, worst possible thing that could happen. And and but they're coming, right? And they're going to happen um, because what government wouldn't want programmability in, in their currency? Right, because just as you said, they could say, "Okay, let's see. I can I can go out to the companies, and whoever pays me the most, I can direct that the money is worth more at their store, uh-huh. or or and the one that you know the one that gets me is you know you get paid on Friday, you go out and have a couple cocktails, you drunk text about the president, you know, wake up on Saturday,
2: hey, money money. <laughs>
1: like seriously, <clears throat> um, yeah." That that could definitely happen, and you know the whole idea of, of tying it to social credit scoring, and you know, let's say you, you're you know you're a jaywalker, right? And you get a bunch of jaywalking tickets, and suddenly your money starts becoming less valuable, or or they just freeze it altogether, or you decide you want to give some to the truckers in Canada or some other you know philanthropic group that you believe in, but the powers that be don't like it they can stop that transaction with programmable money. So to me, it's 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 taking all the negatives of fiat, right? Which are it can be created out of thin air, uh, it is it it has no basis in in value, right? It's not backed by gold or silver or anything, uh, or no full faith in credit. And making it worse, right? And look if anyone's ever seen Augustine, whatever I can't remember his last name, but the guy from the BIS. And I used to call him Jabba the Hutt, but he actually looks more like Kingpin from the Spider-Man movie. <clears throat> and if you watch the the minute, and, it's not even that long. It's a minute and 40 seconds where he describes, well, of course, we should have control of how you spend your money. It's like, wow, wow. I mean, evil, like evil, evil. <clears throat> and those, you know, it's, it's back to the health thing. It's like when when they show the pictures of the health ministers around the country and they're all, you know, Overweight. Like, well, why would I trust you on my health? Like, I want Dr. Sean Baker, right? I want that dude telling me how to live my life. Um, so, I guess a long way of saying, I, I think CBDCs are coming and China's already got theirs and they're, they're way ahead. Um, I think Russia will be second, interestingly. And I think we'll be a distant third, uh, but I think we will get there. And I think it just makes it more important. For everyone to take a portion, not all, but a portion of your wealth, and you know, do that. You know, get it outside into a store of value that you can opt out of the system for a portion of your wealth. And there are other things that you can own that, that do other things, but but Bitcoin in particular has a role as a perfect store of value. And he says, "No, you know, it went down when inflation was going up." I'm like, "No, no, no, no. CPI is lagging." The CPI that we're seeing today reflects the, the increase in new car prices and oil prices that happened a year ago. And if you look at from two years ago, when the, when the Fed in doubled the money supply, that means that the price of Bitcoin in dollars should have doubled. It's exactly what it did, it went from 10 to 20. And whoa, well, but it went to 70. Yeah, that was the speculators and the gamblers and all that. But, but the, the core value did exactly what it's supposed to do because that's all it is, right? Currencies don't exist in a vacuum. They exist relative to something else, right? We don't say dollars, we say dollar yen, or dollar euro, or dollar, you know, Bitcoin. Bitcoin isn't, you know, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. It's always, that's that's the case. But we don't spend it in Bitcoin. We spend it in dollars, or yen, or euros. And, you know, if you're in Venezuela, you had two choices to save yourself, right? You could convert your bolivars to Dash, and, and use that as a payment system where you can convert to Bitcoin. and You could do some other things, but basically put it in Bitcoin. And as the Bolivar went down, there's never been a bear market in Venezuela in Bitcoin prices. It's gone up every day. Same thing with Turkish lira or Argentinian pesos. So when the dictators destroy the value of the currency, you need to opt out. And so CBDCs, not only will they be programmable, but they'll be easier to devalue, you know, it's it's like airline miles. You know, I'm I'm still stupid. I still have my American Airlines card and I get my airline miles because I think I'm going to get free trips. But then you go to cash in a free trip. It's not 20,000 miles. It's not 40,000 miles. I mean, I did one last night. 75,000 miles each way for an economy class ticket. That is pure devaluation. Yeah. That was what you, you told me when I signed up. You told me it was 20000 for a round-trip ticket, $150,000.
0: is, that's inflation. So, Mark, if I can ask you a quick question. Recently, we've seen people go to war with JP Morgan and the financial institutions. And although it's just been a war of words so far, I do think there's a larger shift taking place where some of the most prominent celebrities on the planet are moving into the cryptocurrency space under the narrative of taking control of your own finances. And we're seeing Kanye West, who's been speaking out against JP Morgan all week, saying that's exactly what happened. He had $140 million with JP Morgan. They shut down his account. You know what he did? (coughs) Turn to the cryptocurrency market. That way he could get control of his wealth. I'd love for you to speak to this narrative here. A lot of people think that XRP in particular, we don't have to talk about XRP. We can talk about the crypto market as a whole. They're being attacked because of the impact that they're going to have on the global economy, right? And it, they were chosen because they are one of the only cryptocurrency projects that can actually battle the SEC in court and come out with clear regulation for this market. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Do you think that the SEC is trying to hinder innovation here? Or do you think they're placing themselves strategically to take advantage of that growth when it does take place?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, I, I, don't, I don't actually think they're trying to hinder innovation actually don't, right? I think they're trying to slow adoption, Mm -hmm. which is what regulation has done for centuries. I mean, you think about if you're an incumbent, okay, what happens? You know, you start something, you grow, you become popular, you become dominant. And then what happens? Competition. Right, either because someone innovates in terms of technology or somebody in the, innovates on a business model and you get competition. And if you're the incumbent, what do you do? You go to your friendly regulator and say, okay, here's some money. Create a regulation to stop them. Exactly. And I use the simple example of, of the horse's carriage, right? Horse's carriage comes in and everyone's heard the term red flagging. Anyone know where that actually came from? Well, it came from here, right? The horse and buggy guys went to the, the New York regulators and said, here's some money, pass a law called the red flag law that if you have a horse's carriage, you have to hire a human to walk in front of you with a red flag. <laughs>
2: Literally. <laughs>
1: now, have you ever seen anyone walking in front of a car with a red flag? No. <laughs> no. Because that was a dumb idea, but it, it worked for some small period of time. Right. And I think the same thing is, is happening here. Like you take this this deplatforming idea, right? Kanye says something. And look, I'm, I'm a pretty big free speech guy. Yeah, I may not like what he said. I may not agree with what he said. But I think he has a right to say it. Right. And I I don't believe, no, 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 I would say I don't believe that he should be deplatformed for that. But I also believe it's a private company, right? A bank is a private company. They can choose yeah. who their customers. Now, seems to me, again, that's a really bad way to choose because you disagree with somebody, it's, it's it's like what's happening on on the social media. You know, you you say something, and you get throttled, or they they change your. You no, know, I was. I, and again, I'm not I'm not important enough to to really get throttled. But it was interesting. I was stuck on 138,000 uh, followers for for about three or four months because I was pretty active retweeting stuff about the nonsense of of lockdowns and COVID. I wasn't like Mark Chengzi. I can't remember the guy's name, the, the, the doctor. I wasn't
0: that level. Um, but I was, you know, and I am I being. But here's mm-hmm. my question. Why are they censoring people if these are catching traction? If these ideas are catching traction, and they have an authentic following. That means that's what the general public is looking for. And by censoring that opinion, you're not allowing those people. You're not changing the way they think. You're just silencing them. So they just become a silent, I guess, opposition would be the word.
1: What? no abs, you're, you're strengthening them. Right. To your to, to exactly your point, right? Because if, if Kanye says, okay, I'll take my toys and go somewhere else, and he chooses a place to go, there are a lot of people gonna follow. Will, I mean, a lot, and they, to your point, will follow and will create a community, and that community will get stronger. So, again, if you're the <laughs> regulators, like, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Because, <laughs> you know, that's like arming the combatants and they're going to now come back stronger and we don't want a run on the bank, right? The last right. thing JP Morgan needs <laughs> is a run on the bank. Right. Because they're already over levered. They've already got, you know, they've got to increase their, their reserves for bad debts because we're in a, you know, recession. And so going to be people who don't pay back their loans. Yep. Now, are they big enough to handle it? Because they're making money spoofing gold? Of course. Yes. Uh, or or doing you know money laundering it's like i think the number i think i have this number right everyone's like oh crypto is used for money laundering i'm like really Hmm. let me give you this stat the the banks the, the big banks Deutsche bank credit suisse jp morgan have paid paid right fines equal to 360 billion dollars
2: jesus christ
1: for money laundering like crazy. admitted Money laundering, like, you know, drug cartels and all kinds of bad stuff. That's what they've actually been convicted of and paid. My favorite point, though, is they never have to admit guilt.
2: right? You pay $2 billion
1: billion without admitting guilt. I'm like, no, if you paid $2 billion, you're guilty.
0: And Mark, check this out. $1.7 trillion asset manager Doja Bank headquarters was raided by German authorities in a tax investigation, and I want to remind people, this is actually the bank that uh, had Jeffrey Epstein's bank account, just throwing that out there. Well,
1: I, to, to that point, right. And Donald Trump's bank account and a whole bunch of other people's bank accounts. <laughs> I mean, it's look, there are reasons why the big banks are big, right. There's a reason credit suisse and, you know, look, at, look at, look at where their, uh, you know, client base comes from, you know, it's all kinds of places where, you know, Ooh, that, that's a little dicey. Um, and, and it makes sense, right? If if you're a big crime family or um, – you don't even have to be a crime family, but if you're a big family, right, just a family operation, although I consider most of those crime families, um, you're going to want to have a big financial institution to help you with your global footprint and and to extract your rents. So um, – but I, you know, I, I love the fact that um, – you. You can always tie just about every story back to the same core stories. <clears throat> Interesting, it's a little frightening. I mean, Speak to that bring... a little bit. What do you mean by that? Well, like I say, hey, you, you, you could bring up Epstein. I could bring yeah. up Epstein yep. on just about everything we've talked about today.
2: That's a good yeah. point.
1: which is just mind-boggling. I'm like, come on, why, why, why did Bill Gates go to his place? Why did Bill Clinton
0: fly private twenty-seven times?
1: Yeah, I mean, that island. It's it's like. Oh, okay. And then I, I just learned this the other day. I, I did not know this, that, um, you know, Bill Gates, I knew Bill Gates' dad, because I grew up in Seattle, and I knew Bill Gates. Like, when you say Bill Gates, you're talking about the dad, not right. the son. The son is Trey. Like, growing up, everyone called to call him Trey. Um, the dad was super powerful, big lawyer. But I didn't realize the mom had actual ties to the whole kind of Yale, you know, mm-hmm. American institution, mafia, like her family, you trace it back to something and that she actually was part of the reason he got the contract for windows, et cetera, et cetera. So there's all of these, these intersections and the powerful stay powerful for a reason. Um, you know, Sam Bankman Fried, Okay. Guys, mad genius. Everybody loves him. I had no. I was. I was actually pretty frustrated, right? Because he came in and he's using this this 1907 Trust Act law to to do what he's doing with with the other lenders. Like, how the hell does? And and I don't. I don't mean because I call him a kid, and I didn't mean kid in a derogatory sense. He's just younger than my son. I'm like, how does this guy know 1907 Trust Act? Well, then I find out he didn't. His dad is like a super you know, connected Stanford law and his mom um, law professor who is an expert in the tax act and an expert on regulation is on the payroll because he went to Yale law school with all those guys. So everything kind of gets connected. And, you know, why is he the largest contributor to the Democratic Party? That, that's an interesting statistic. Well, if you want to displace the incumbents, you need to You know, manipulate the system the same way they do. And so I applaud what he's doing, right? I I think he's creating a very powerful base and a very powerful business.
0: A little fun fact about Bill Gates is he gets credit for creating the software for Microsoft when in reality, he purchased those patents for $50,000 back in the early 1990s and then sued the man who he bought the patents from to gain total rights and control. So it's really interesting how these narratives play out. Like we associate Steve Jobs with Apple, right? Steve Jobs owned less than 1% of Apple, but we associate him with that brand. So it's really interesting. Microsoft with Bill Gates, it's interesting how these narratives play out, but I did want to show our listeners something that you brought up Well, on a tangent a little bit, but Bill Gates' grandfather actually founded the Rockefeller Foundation back in 1923. And it's interesting because all these narratives and families, they tie together for hundreds of years. And you just spoke about a 400-year treaty that was signed by who? I can't remember the name. Yeah, the Rothschilds. Yeah, The Rothschilds. There you go. So all these connections and all these families are working together behind the scenes. Gonzo, I'd love to give you the floor if you have any questions, or Johnny, if you guys have any questions for Mark. I've also got some stuff prepared before we end the show.
2: I've got a question, but I, I'll, I'll yield to Gonzo first. Go no, ahead, go ahead, Johnny. You go first. Go ahead. Yeah. So, Mark, one of the things you brought up, you brought up a name there, uh, Bank Friedman. I had seen something just recently that he's working behind the scenes with Congress or somebody there to try and ban and make it illegal for any kind of use of decentralized currency. So Bitcoin, things cool. like that. It's Have the Bitstamp
1: license. It's a federal
2: Bitstamp bit yeah, license. Yeah, that's it. Bitstamp license. license. Have you heard about like this? in New York this? City. Yeah, have you heard about this at all? And what, what what are your thoughts on will they be successful in being able? Because like you just said, yeah, decentralization lets us play outside the system, and they don't want that. So, do you think they will regulate us right out so that option won't? Nah,
1: even look, um, the thing about regulation, uh, it's it's literally like squeezing air in a balloon. Mm-hmm. Right, you grab the balloon, the air doesn't leave; it just goes someplace else. So, mm-hmm. you know, China banned Bitcoin. And what did the exchanges do? They banned exchanges. What did the exchanges do? They picked up and moved to South Korea and, and Japan. They banned mining. So what did the miners do? They, they picked up, well, most of them, still like <clears throat> like 20% of the mining still done in China. Uh, You've you all seen that picture of the guy with the miners on his back?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. People are resourceful. Well, um, yeah. but, but but the bottom line is if, if, if America chooses, I will call it the wrong path, which mm. is the path of resistance, as opposed to the path of embracing? Mm. Then the rest of the world will just have a, a better, a greater role. Now, look, I don't want to move right now. I mean, right. I, I like living in North Carolina. I like, I like my life. But look, if if suddenly you you ban the things that allow me to preserve my wealth, I mean, think about this. If 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 all my wealth was in dollars. Mm. I got eight point three percent less rich in the sure. last twelve months,
0: and that's a that's a low that's, estimate, that's, right? That's true that's inflation. That's
1: the reported number, Well, like twenty
0: percent. Yeah, and and
1: look, I, I so so the fact that I don't have all my money in fiat, that should be my choice. And the fact that decentralization is here and it's been created because of of the flaws in the system, right? I, I talked about this all day. It is not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that Satoshi Nakamoto's birthday is 4, 5, right? 4, 5 was the day of Executive Order 6102 where they banned gold in 1933, made it illegal for a citizen to own gold. And 1975 was the year they reversed that. So mm. it's not a coincidence. And then my, my friend Lisa Huff, her daughter has this really cool thing where she said well, sixty one hundred two, wait twenty one and six zeros. That's twenty one million. That's why we have twenty one million people. Yeah. Oh. Like,
2: oh wow!
1: Boom. Mind blown. Mind blown. Because I'm like, where did that number come from? That's right. pretty cool. And she's like seventeen years old. She's amazing. So, um, but that's not a coincidence. It's also not a coincidence that the first entry in the Genesis block is the picture of the London Times, Chancellor bails out the, the banks. Not a coincidence that it's in the middle of the global financial crisis in January, 2009, right? So all these things, it doesn't, it's, not like, it's not like Bitcoin was created in three weeks. It had been worked on for years and it was released intentionally. Decentralization was released intentionally at a time where you had a rallying cry Against the badness, right? Why did bankers serve no jail time? Right? They did the whole subprime nonsense, created the global financial crisis. Not one minute of jail time. Right? Martha Stewart went to jail for God's sake for 250000 dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. No. I mean, come on. And who caused more harm? Right? The banksters. No question. Martha? They did. I'm saying they did. I'm saying they did, but not one of them went to jail. Antho, anth, anth, what's the name? Uh, Mazillo, right? The guy from uh, Countrywide, right? Permatan, Orange Man, before the other Orange Man, and <laughs> the dude was a bad guy. I mean, no jail time. So it's all about those interconnections and and the, and and how how they protect each other. But the bottom line is they're protecting their turf, and. Ultimately, these types of conversations, where you know people who 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 have seen the light, so to speak, around decentralization, around innovation, around value being owned by us, right? The whole wef nonsense of you'll own nothing and be happy, horseshit, right? Man, you can't, you can't shit. And I house. love that you
0: said that because there's a solution that we're going to talk about right now. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Jack Dorsey is unveiling a new social media platform where not only do you own your data, you can choose the algorithm that is presented to you. So it's putting the hands back in the user. Love to hear your thoughts because you were about to enter on that. No,
1: day. love it. You now I'm, I'm, I've, been using farcaster lately. So it's, it's a, a mini version of what Jack wants to do. Uh, so it's, it's, it's mostly web three people and it's, it's a, you know, um, uh, NFT driven kind of, of decentralized um, social media product like Twitter but but you know better. I think Jack's going to try to do the same thing. Decentralized social media is going to happen. Right? Mm-hmm. Web two the Web two model was was mad genius. Don't yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean what they did by saying here take this it's free but we're going to kind of track what you do and we're going to take all your content and then we're going to monetize it free. Mad genius, right? Mad genius. Data. Okay. Fine. Mad genius. But now we have the technology where I, you, we, we can own our activity. Like you think about it, you post all these pics on Facebook and if you happen to be a good photographer and you get people to come, they make money. How about, exactly. make money? how about you? How exactly. you make money for your pictures, or you make money for your videos, or you know? Think about how much content is created on YouTube oh. every single day. Now, people are getting better at monetizing pieces of it, but I, I, I'll leave you with this one thing that I think is kind of funny. So, uh, have you heard the song Crypto Boy? Not yet. Two-topping. All right, so look it up tonight. So I actually like it; it's kind of catchy. Other people think it's stupid, but I, I thought it was like Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy. And this young woman created this thing called Crypto Boy. And it was in a TikTok open verse challenge where you sing, a line, you sing a verse and then you have other people sing a verse and then she cobbled them together. And I thought it was pretty cool. There was this guy uh, who, who uh, rapped about what he owned sitting on a dryer. I thought he was pretty funny. I thought this other guy rapped about um, uh, kind of, you know, she works at Arby's and whatever. So I thought it was interesting. But I wanted to make an open verse challenge. And my daughter's like, Dad, you are not going on TikTok. No. no, no. <laughs> Which is probably the right decision. But but I wanted to do it. And what I wanted to say, because basically the, the song starts, you know, talk about NFTs one more time, and I can guarantee we won't be whatever tonight. Okay? Fine. You don't want to hear about my NFTs. Got it. But here's the thing, hon. Had you made this song, and it kicks, getting millions of clicks, blowing up TikTok, Twitter. But guess what? If you'd made an NFT, instead of Byte Dance getting rich, you'd be getting rich. So I guess all the screwing is being done by Web2. And she said I couldn't do that. But um, I think that's what's amazing. And then the funny thing is Pussy Riot actually invited her to a show and they made an NFT. And so now she is making some money uh, on that, which is pretty amazing. And so NFTs are the future, digital property rights. We will own everything that we do. And there's so many intersections of the different platforms and the different crypto. And, and that's why, that's why I, I love doing stuff like this is, you know, I'll go on a, on a, I think I told you this last time, I'll go on a Bitcoin maxi space. And they're like, get out of here, you shit coiner. I'm like, what are you talking about? I own more nah. Bitcoin than you. And they're like, no, but you own Ethereum. <laughs> you own Solana. I'm like, yes, I do. So stupid. Yeah, yeah, I do. Why does that make me a bad person? I mean, and then I'll go on a on a Ethereum space and I like, get out of here, you Bitcoin max. I'm like, I have more Ethereum than you. And like, that's not the point. You own Bitcoin. I like, yes, yes, I do. And again, that doesn't make me a bad person.
2: Right.
1: And so I want to own the future. I've always wanted to own the future, right? That's my job, my job. I, I have the best job in the world. I got paid for 35 years to talk to the smartest people in the world and give them money. It was amazing, right? That was my job for 35 years. I, yeah. I, I went out and I found the Soros's and the Robertson's and the Steinhardt's and the, you know- Johnny and and gave them capital to grow for me and my clients. And then I discovered in the 90s, oh, I could do this in venture capital. I could I could invest in companies like Google and, and Yahoo and, and eBay. And I remember my board saying, eBay, you want to invest in a garage sale company? I'm like, no, it's bigger than a garage sale company. They are one of the greatest tech companies. They are like scary good at monitoring what you look at and when you look at it. And they'll send you notices. Hey, this, this thing, just the price went down. Don't you want to buy it now? Amazingly good. But when I think about the future of financial services, and, and this is the big one, right? And this is why you guys do this every morning. Uh, this is real. Media, big, big. ABC, NBC, CBS, Discovery, et cetera, all that market cap went to Netflix and others because they disrupted the business model, went to streaming. Okay? Big. E-commerce, Big. Still nascent, right? It's only still like in the teens. Still, most uh, commerce is done point of sale in inside a physical building. Crazy, but still, you know, most of us can't buy our groceries or don't buy our groceries online. We buy them in a store. But that movement to Amazon and others, you know, trillions of dollars of market cap was real. Financial services orders of magnitude bigger. Right? People talk about the equity market. The equity market way bigger than media. And communications, and and commerce, okay. The bond market, bigger than that, like ten times bigger. Currency market, another ten times, a hundred times bigger than derivatives. Derivatives. you talk about you know Deutsche Bank and their derivative book, and every derivative contract in the world will be a smart contract someday.
2: That's a perfect
0: mark. That's a perfect segue into our next topic because I know we only have a couple of minutes left, but my our fans would be very upset if we didn't talk about Ripple XRP in this episode in particular, because they really want us to get you to say that you're an advocate. But that's not (laughs) what we're gonna do here. So Ripple wants to bring Ethereum smart contracts to the XRPL. And the reason that this is so important is you're gonna get the best of both worlds. You're gonna be able to have Ethereum decentralized applications using the XRPL to not only facilitate transactions at a faster speed. You're going to be able to do it at a fraction of the cost. And the best part is they are leveraging, and this is totally confirmed, no conspiracy. They are leveraging XRP as the token that you will stake in order to get access to this technology. So this is really exciting. Another major bullish catalyst. But I wanted to remind you of one other topic that we highlighted yesterday, which is that Ripple has a $250 million creator fund specifically built on incentivizing Web3 products. And it's exactly what you were just talking about before. But the last thing I'd like to bring to your attention is that Brad Garlinghouse, and I don't have an article pulled up for this one. So I'll just speak verbally. Brad Garlinghouse just a couple of weeks ago said that we are only three to four months away from a resolution with the SEC. And we cover it every day on our channel that despite what's going on in the United States ripple and the SEC, there's been no hindered growth. They are growing faster than ever in Europe. And we're anticipating some large price action. Now, Maybe it only gets to 80 cents. Maybe it gets to a dollar. Maybe it gets to $10. We don't do price targets on this channel. But What we do understand is that not only is there going to be a massive relisting on exchanges for XRP, we may have regulatory approval for institutions to start using this one and only currency. So i just love to give you the floor. Maybe talk about XRP. <coughs> what are some of your thoughts on the currency? Clearly, we have so much bullish demand and such a large community behind this currency. It's an extremely unique situation. I'd love to hear some insight from you.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I think all the points you make are... Are fantastic, and that that's why, you know, my job is is not to know things; it's to not know things and and to learn. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I really appreciate you you pointing out all those those points. Um, I think the interesting thing for me is the things that that hold me back on XRP. You know, one is the the centralized ownership, not the centralization of of the protocol, but the centralized ownership by the foundation. Mm-hmm. And people are like, "Oh well, you know, it's the same with eth." I'm like, "That's a bad argument, right? Saying that something else is equally bad doesn't make you good." Um, <laughs> right. So, so
0: that that's something that just has to get solved. I think, me personally. Um, and so, I do have a slight rebuttal just to that one no, point. No, no, that- good. In particular, so what Ripple's doing is they're taking the 51 billion that they had in, in the original escrow, and they're selling that per month. And so we get these quarterly reports where we're able to see exactly how much volume they're moving. And since 2018, on average, they're moving 175 million XRP away from that escrow account and into what? Financial institutions on what they're calling blue slips. So they're not happening in the open market. These banks are actually buying them on these blue slips that are outside of the market. So yep. there's it's an interesting narrative. I thought no, no, it- no, it's, a,
1: it's a great point. You know, those are called naturals, right? You know, big trades, you know, if you look at, you know, uh, the NASDAQ, right? Microsoft, you know, whatever it is, $56 or whatever. I I don't even know what the price is. That's for 100 shares. (laughs) If you have 1,000 shares, that's not the price. If you have a million shares, that is definitely not the price. So the only way you can clear large amounts, back to Bill Gates, right? How did he sell his million shares a quarter? This is an amazing story. So um, he hired his high school buddy from Lakeside uh, when he got out of jail. So this guy and his wife got put in jail for, for check kiting and he hired him. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the big brokerage firms and say, I'm going I'm to trade a million shares in exchange. You give me your best biotech stuff because I'm interested in biotech. And, and so there's a little quid pro quo going on. And, and then they would make the market in the million shares and then they would market up and sell it to their clients and, and everyone was happy. Well, everyone except the client was happy. Yeah, right. So, so and and the funny part about that story is, is the dad um, said, you know, Trey, it's kind of a bad look. The richest guy in the world has a convicted felon running his money. So I found this guy for you. And Mike Larson was, I think, the the municipal bond salesman that his dad worked with. And now he runs, you know, the largest pool of capital in the world, or one of the largest pools of capital in the world. Um, but that's just a funny story that. If you have a million shares of Microsoft, you can't trade it 100 shares at a time. It's just not going to do that. So I like this idea of of the blue slips of of finding institutions that want to participate. Uh, and look, that is that is it, it's absolutely necessary that we reduce the concentration of of the foundation. So that that's good. That's good information. And the so last we, thing I would
0: oh sorry, Mark. No, go ahead. Az. The last thing I'd want to bring up is the Digital Pound Foundation news. And I touched a little bit upon this at the beginning of the episode. But what's so exciting about this news is that Ripple has been working with the Digital Pound Foundation on creating a solution for every country in Europe. This could be the U.S. dollar or the euro of the digital financial system. And Ripple's playing a key role. And, of course, we already outlined the utility of Quant, but Quant's on here as well. So we can talk about how these ISO-compliant tokens, well, they're becoming more and more important every day. And we like to remind our listeners of some of the most prominent currencies in this market IOTA, Hedera, Quant Network, Algorand, XDC, Ripple, and Stellar. And for any of our XDC holders out there, this is a little tangent here, but we got some pretty exciting news. This XDC was actually uploaded to Uphold yesterday, so pretty exciting. Becoming a little bit more accessible for our listeners out there. But I did want to focus on the original point with XRP Mark, and that's the fact that they are working with some of the most powerful players in the global financial markets. Not only are they working on creating a solution. They're creating the guidelines for the cryptocurrency market in these regions. So it's very exciting. We had uh, a chairman at the CFTC go to San Francisco, meet with the CEO of Ripple, who's Brad Garlinghouse. And then four days later, she flew to the Bank of England to meet with them and talk about cryptocurrency and central bank digital currency development. So very interesting. And we're just following all these ties. And that's why I think we get so excited about XRP. It's not that we're, we're emotionally driven by it. It's just there's so many signs here. It gets us excited.
1: No, look, it's 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 what we're all trying to do. Um, you know, I I probably still lean uh, at this point toward toward Bitcoin being that that base layer, mm-hmm. but I am compelled by you know what you talk about and what others talk about in terms of of how others are are looking at the world. Now, I look at Hedera. Everyone talks about oh, it's so great, it's so fast. I'm like, yeah, but so that's one where I'm, I'm like. I don't. I don't really see it. And now we got the whole Ethereum where they moved to proof of stake. And I'm like, yeah, but proof of stake. The challenge with that, to me, as a proof of work guy, is proof of stake is not that different from what we're trying to move away from, which is right. you know, the gold makes the rules. Right. So I, I struggle with that a little bit. Um, so, but the bottom line is, if we're trying to change the rails. Of the global financial system, right? If that's what we're trying to do, then getting audiences with the global financial system is really important. So, Garlinghouse and and crew have done a good job doing that. They are talking to the right people. They are uh, they are they are moving in the right circles. And so, part of the reason I am, you know, open to lots of ideas is we don't know which one or ones is going to win. And, and I talk about this all the time in that the internet protocol stack didn't happen overnight. Correct. It actually took 40 years mm-hmm. to get where we are today, right? There were 80 protocols coming out of labs all over Silicon Valley. And basically TCP IP became that base layer on top of the internet protocol not because it was necessarily better than everything else. It's because Tim Berners-Lee wrote the first web page using it. And so Vint Cerf became super famous. And that TCPIP IP layer then has FTP on top of it and SMTP for emails and HTTP for websites. And it's a stack and on top. I actually don't know. Are we going to have a stack?
2: Right.
1: Right? Where I'll, I could argue Bitcoin is the base layer, like TCPIP, and everything should settle to that base layer. Filecoin sits on top of it. Could be something in the middle that's SMTP, HTTP, okay. don't really know. And then maybe maybe Ethereum is, is on up. But <clears throat> that's only one potential outcome. There's another outcome that says we have a whole bunch of parallel yes. stacks. And then we bridge across the different ones correct and one of those could be xrp and one could be bitcoin and one could be ethereum that's as likely maybe and then there's the one that the maxis talk about which is nope everything's gonna be on bitcoin there's bitcoin there's lightning and then we'll have l3s and 4s maybe but show me the development i don't see the development of those threes and fours yet that makes me compelled that that's you know it's all going to be on bitcoin.
0: And Mark, what's exciting for me is every time we have you on the show, I learn about this new perspective because you're so you're so smart when it comes to ethereum and bitcoin and I focus on the altcoins mainly, but I'd love to get your opinion on this right here. This is from our loyal listener Yabro XRP. So I'm sure he's incentivized to be pro XRP here. But he said, "Can you ask Mark if the Ethereum virtual machine performs smart contracts like Ethereum with the efficiency and speed of XRP, why would anyone choose not to use those new protocols? And I think that's a really good question. I'd like to hear a response if that's possible.
1: No, look, I, I you know, <laughs> the hard part about, about good questions um, <laughs> is they're way more important than answers. Yep. You know, everybody talks about answers, right? And they want the talking head and they want, what's way more important in this world is good questions. Yep. And that's a good question. Um, and I don't have the answer, but I'll give you some perspective. So the logic that, that he lays out is very sound, right? If, if, and that's a capital I, capital F, if, if the XRP uh, ledger can do those things faster and, and more cost efficient, then it could be logical that it becomes. But here's the thing. The law of increasing returns, Paul Romer won the Nobel Prize four years ago, says that it's not the best technology that wins.
2: Hmm. It's
1: the technology that gets critical mass
2: first. Yep. And
1: so there is is a chance that the claim could be right, that XRP is better than the ETH EVM. But because the ETH EVM got the critical mass, it's kind of like Betamax and VHS. Correct that we never go to Betamax, even though Betamax was far superior technology and, and, and back to, everything goes back to Bill Gates. So most sure. people don't know the story of, of how and why we all run computers that crash every day. Well, here's why. So IBM wanted to create a personal computer. You know, they had mainframes and they finally gave in and said they're going to create a personal computer. So Gates' mom said, "I right, come, come talk to, to Microsoft. She talked to the IBM people. And like, well, okay, we'll come talk to, to Microsoft. But there's this group down in California that runs this thing called CPM. And my first machine in college was a CPM machine, K-Pro. It was a luggable, was like 26-pound, you know, thing and the, the computer folded down a little green screen in it. I thought it was so cool. And it never crashed. CPM was far superior to DOS, which used to be called QDOS, quick and dirty operating system. And long story short, they went to Seattle, they met. With the Microsoft guys. And by the way, pull up, everyone on, listen to this, pull up the original Microsoft 11 picture on Google tonight and look at it and you'll laugh. I mean, whew, scary. And they thought Bill Gates was the coffee boy. And he looked like he was 12 years old. They're like, yeah, whatever. So they went down to California, said, we want to talk. And the guy in California, as a husband and wife team, said, sign my NDA. And they're like, we're IBM. We don't do NDAs. He says, well, then I'm not meeting so they flew back to seattle and signed the contract and that's why we have you know computers that crash so yeah for yeah the original microsoft 11 i mean come on can you forgive me for not going to work for that crew
0: i, I mean, mean they look like a fun group of people i can't lie mark but i don't know if they're they're the best people to be surrounded by
1: <laughs> they're all multi-billionaires and i'm not so i should not i, I mean we all looked that way in the state. yeah i mean the clothes were bad. The hair was bad. The beards were bad. I
0: can't even identify where is Bill Gates in this picture. Is he in there?
1: Lower left, lower left.
0: Oh, I see him
2: now. He's a, lower he's left. a
1: little boy. And
0: yeah. you know, and you got,
1: you know, Paul Allen and, 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 you know, I, I think it's one, I think it's pretty cool in that, you know, there are a few women there, which back in the seventies, that was, was a big deal.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. And, but they look like they could be, I don't know, a rock band or, or something but not a very good rock band.
0: Mark, there's something cool I wanted to show you. So we always, hopefully this is something I could teach because this is really exciting and we're still learning about this right now, but there is a very small cryptocurrency called Cypherium that has connections to the Federal Reserve when launching their central bank digital currency. And this is just something I wanted to bring to your attention. I haven't done enough research to come and speak prominently like I would with Quanter XRP. This is something that that I found very interesting. Now, this token only is $12 million in market cap, and they have some of the best partnerships in the space. Microsoft, Mm -hmm. Amazon, IBM, and of course, the Federal Reserve, as well as Google is on here. Just something I thought I'd bring to your attention. There's not really anything to comment on this, but maybe it's something that in the future we can talk about going forward. I did want to bring this up, which is that's that- actually
1: wait, wait, pull that back up for a
2: second. Perfect. That's actually photo worthy, so I'm going to take yes. a picture of that one. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. Yeah, Mark, I'll make it full man. screen for all of our listeners out there as well.
2: And Mark, while you're taking a picture, that I think one of the things we talk about here is you know you talked about we don't know which technology is going to win, and we actually say that all the time on the show. While while we do like XRP, the reality is I think like you, we're diversified, right? We're looking yeah. to say okay. Let's bet on a few different race horses here because we know some of these horses. You only need one horse to win the race, right? At the end of the day, and where we're going with this thing, and so the question is: as we diversify and try to figure out what this system looks like, you said, is it, yeah, is it going to be a stack? Is it going to be uh, across, you know, separate silos? That's that's one of the things we want to learn. So, as you're thinking about and diversifying across the space, how many different technologies yeah. yeah, yeah. are you yep. invested in? You don't have to say which ones. If you no, want no, to. it's fantastic. No, it's a fantastic question.
1: So, you know, we run venture funds. <clears throat> so, um, we've made 70 investments since 2018 mm. and we're, we're about to raise our fourth venture fund. So We've raised three funds. Uh, those 70 investments, 80 odd percent of them are equity in companies exchanges, oh, okay. software yeah, protocols yeah. so that's everything from you know we were early investors in coinbase and early yep. investors in figure technologies and and uh, we were early investors in BlockFi, everyone knows that um, and so yeah. you know we've had winners we've had losers cool. and and everything in between but th- but that's venture capital right that yeah. that is you know high risk high reward yeah. and you know, our, our first fund is done really nicely. It's up about five times. Second fund's up about two times, and our third fund we just we just raised. So on the but twenty percent of that capital can go into liquid protocols. Hmm. In fund one, we uh, we invested in Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, and the Graph. Okay. And the you know Solana and the Graph came from our relationship with Multicoin and, and Kyle. And they were awesome, right? I mean, we had tons of money on Solana and
0: we learned about GRT from Tika Tuari. He put that on his suggested list back in early right. 2020, which is pretty exciting as well. And
1: you know, on fun two, and 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 I don't want to throw him under the bus because he's he's my friend and partner, but you know, Pomp and, and Jason too, you know, were really in the maxi camp in 2020. Hmm. And and so we didn't do anything except Bitcoin in fun two. Fun two, okay. hindsight, total mistake, total mistake. I mean, yeah. we we were there at the beginning. Of DeFi summer, we could have been in synthetics and Ave, and I mean, it just makes my head hurt when I think of things we You're missed. But, but we were, <laughs> we, I mean, you can't do everything, and, yeah. and you make decisions. And we also in 2018 launched a uh, an index, and that index owns the top ten tokens minus. Huh. <laughs> And people XRP. get pissed off at me minus okay. XRP and Stellar, and and the reason was our our the way we did it was it was market cap weighted, except you couldn't be closely held because yeah, that's the you. way S and P does it, right? There yeah. isn't Tesla wasn't in the S and P for years because it was too closely held, and so because a closely held asset can be manipulated doesn't mean it will be manipulated, but it can be manipulated. Gotcha. So that was a decision we made, and again with the benefit of hindsight, was that good, bad, or indifferent? Yeah, know, it hadn't hurt us, but it doesn't mean I shouldn't shouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I'm just trying to learn about it. So, right. in our fund three, we've done a little bit. Uh, we've been reticent to to commit to liquid protocols because we're in a bear market mm. um, and crypto winner. So we are are starting to nibble. Um, and you know, we run uh, some nodes, so we we nice. we do a little bit of of mining that way and, and get a little bit of rewards. Um, you know, we have a big position in something called Provenance, which is part of Figure Technologies, um, and then we've looked at a handful of other projects. We came really close okay. to make an investment in Avalanche Avax.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Love Avax. But- you know, and there like there were another love, member of the uh, Digital Pound Foundation as well. They were only the third cryptocurrency. So it's Ripple, Quant, and actually Avalanche, which is pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I look. I John Wu is a close friend. We've known each other for you know 25 years from our hedge fund days. Love him. Um, Spent a little time with Gun and and like him. Uh, you know. I, I, I've been, I've been, you know, my, my friend Mooch has been beating on me on, on Algo. I haven't done anything there, Um, but I, I committed to the guys that I would, would, would do some research on it um, on another show. So one of
0: the things that's exciting about Algorand, just to save you some time with your research is that obviously they're sponsoring the world cup and that's going to be humongous for the mass the programming of the masses. We had V chain partner with the UFC and that's been pretty exciting as well, but we like to talk about subconscious exposure of these projects. Now that can be incorporated into anything because that's just a part of branding, right? When yeah. you look at the best brands in this market, it's crypto.com, it's VeChain, and it's some of the most prominent currencies in this thing. But I'd love to just end out this show. I know we've already been going for 90 minutes, Mark, and we could literally talk to you all day. But I wanted to show one last clip of your friend, Kevin O'Leary, talking about, now this says $250 billion. It's actually $250 million every 12 hours are created yeah. and put into SEC approved assets. This is only a 20 second clip. I'm going to let it play.
2: Sovereign wealth capital is never going to move against the SEC, Mm -hmm. never going to happen. And the reason that
1: occurs is that if you're a sovereign wealth fund or a country that's oil rich, perhaps, you're generating a quarter of a billion dollars every 12 hours. The only place on earth you can put that is in the S&P. The only way you can do that is being compliant with the SEC rules. They are never going to make a move against the SEC in any way until these rules have been determined.
0: And that's why we get so excited when we talk about the exponential growth of the crypto market. And so that's going to be our last segment, Mark. I'd love to give you a chance to close us out.
1: No. So just to that point, um, you know, Kevin talked about when we were together last week in in Vegas, they gave him one of those days, uh, 250 million, uh, to do a web three fund. So he has made, uh, I think he said, uh, 40 investments across the space. Wow. And so, you know, that, that's good. Um, and yeah, here's the thing. One, one funny thing I'll leave with is a friend of mine did a documentary on falconing with a bunch of people in the Middle East. And the guy was you know driving around in, in Abu Dhabi. There are two colors car, black and white. So those are your two cho- color choices. And license plates are sequential. And this guy had a certain number that you know was a meme. And he said, how do you think I got that? And uh, he's like, I don't know. You, you bought it. He said, yes. How much do you think I paid for it? He's like... I don't know. $10,000. Oh, more. I don't know. $100,000. Oh, more. Like I I mean I really don't know. I mean, how much a million dollars is like uh two. He's like two 2 million dollars for for a, a license plate number? He's like uh one day's pay. Wow. Wow. One day's pay. There's levels to this. It really goes to show no, there's No, no, again. And and look, his grandfather's grandfather found oil in the desert and he, you know, one day's pay. But, but the point there that Kevin's making is real right now, that money needs to get invested, whether it's the Norge pension fund in, in, in Norway, or whether it's, you know, the Middle Eastern UAE, Abu Dhabi, Adia, you know, they have trillions, multiple trillions of dollars, and it's going to eventually find its way into these, into the space, but it's got to be regulatory compliant. Yeah. Which, again, would argue that what the XRP people are working on to try to be regulatorily compliant and things like bit stamp licenses, et cetera, all of that does make some sense. Because once the spigot gets turned on, it's not going the other way. I mean, it's just not going the other way.
0: So. And that's a beautiful place to end it, Mark. I want to say thank you for joining us. Every time you come nice. onto the show, I learn so much. So I'm going to be re-watching this right afterwards. But I want to say thank you to each one of our guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to Mark Yusko. Another amazing episode. And we got 340 live listeners joining us. Last time we had Mark confirm he's an honorary member of our family. So like we always say, warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us.
2: <laughs> Let's go. Let's go.